Down goes Philly. The Giants beat down the Eagles 27-17 Sunday, putting them right in the thick of the NFC East race. We break down the dominant defensive performance, another Daniel Jones turnover list game, and we look ahead to their bye week. We also will chat with one of my former teammates, two-time Super Bowl champion offensive lineman, Chris Snee. All that and more next on a happy recap edition of Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back. It's a happy recap edition of Blue Rush following a Giants victory. This is the New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. You can find Blue Rush wherever you get your bloody pods on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Give us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support all season long. Your host of Blue Rush of the Post Giants, longtime beat writer Paul Schwartz and two-time Giants Super Bowl champion kicker Lawrence Tynes. You can find them on Twitter at LT4Kicks at NYPost underscore Schwartz. Joining us in the second half of the show, it'll be two-time Super Bowl champion Giants offensive guard Chris Snee. Paulie, Tynesy, the Giants just beat the Eagles for the first time in eight tries. It's been four years. Joe Judge has a winning streak, and it's only fitting Daniel Jones smoked the Eagles because it's the first time he's beat anyone other than Washington in 420 days. Tynesy, Paulie, talk about the best 3-7 and seven team in football, guys. You know what, Lawrence? One word. One word, improvement, right? Joe Judge kept saying, we're improving, we're improving, we're improving. And they were losing games and you saw little signs. It's so hard to see that improvement. Three weeks ago, the Giants had an 11-point lead in Philadelphia. They couldn't hold it and they lost. Three weeks later, the Giants have an 11-point lead at MetLife Stadium against the Eagles. They held it and they win. Improvement, right? Absolutely. This team, and diehard fans have probably seen it. We, Mm -hmm. We have noticed it. We've talked about it on this show Every phase of the game has improved. And most importantly, I think for this team, the offensive line. They have, uh, they're not a bright spot yet, but I tell you what, from week one to now, huge, huge steps forward. It's interesting. You say steps forward. That's exactly what Jabril Peppers, who was really playing well. I mean, this is the player. This is the player the Giants insisted in the trade with Odell Beckham Jr. This is the guy they want. And this is the guy they saw. He is all over the field. He's so versatile. He said after the game, he said, we're taking steps. That's what you said. We're taking steps. He said, I definitely feel like we're a better team today than we were three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we lost this game in the final minutes. Now we found a way to hang on. Uh, You mentioned offensive line, also the defense. I mean, they could not stop the Eagles three weeks ago. It was inevitable, right? It was in our heads. Here they come. They're going to come down the field. They're going to score. This time, time and time again, when they had to stop them, they did. It was marked improvement, and and it was really a sign that this team is really leaps and bounds, just getting better from day one to day, you know, to now. Yeah, they are. You know, they struggled a little bit against the run. Miles Sanders yep. coming back hurt them, and there were some key drops, and, and that would have been a little bit of a different game, I think, had some of those Philadelphia Eagles receivers held on to the football. But overall. I, just the overall product that the Giants are trotting out there every every week is night and day better from week one. And that's an indictment on this coaching staff and staying the course and being teachers. And and but, you can, you know, the thing I think that translates through the TV watching the game, these guys have 
bought in and they are all in on this coach, man, because you cruise around Twitter and social media and everyone is singing the praises of how hard this team plays. And that only goes so far with this fan base. Now we're starting to see some wins. I wouldn't be surprised if they string together a few more here because this team, the bye could have almost came at a bad time in a weird way. Now, naturally it's, it's week 10. They need to rest their bodies, but they are playing really well. You know, Lawrence, you, you know, you sound like a player sometimes, and that's a compliment because you are thinking like a player when you said buy in, this is what Jabril Pepper said, and this goes into Joe Judge. He said, Joe has been a part of a lot of winning programs. All we had to do was buy in. And that's interesting because, as you know, all through your sports career, when you're losing, it's hard to buy in. You know, what is this guy selling me and why do I want to buy it? Because we're losing. They were losing, but they bought in. Pepper said, we knew it wasn't going to be easy and it was a play here, a play there, but we had to keep chomping at the bit and we stayed bought in. And that was interesting. And that was the most telling, I think, part of this game because the old, here it comes again. There were times you mentioned there was a drop by Slayton. What happened? Slayton comes back and catches a 40-yard pass to help set up really the game clinching field goal, make it from a seven to 10-point lead. So that buy-in, that buy-in. For for a team that's three and seven, Joe Judge, look, he's not going to win coach of the year. We get that. But people feel right now, and I don't think wrongly, the Giants have the right coach. And that's really remarkable for a guy who was such a losing coach in record at the start of this season. It is, it, but but it will go back to these. We talked about special teams coaches being in front of the team. I mean, this guy is used to being in front of the team and leading a team for everyone except the quarterbacks. That's the only people who are not in these special teams meetings. And so he's comfortable. He looks comfortable in front of you guys. His message is consistent. I mean, every time I see him at the podium, even last night, he didn't pound his chest and say, told you so. I mean, he just keeps staying on message. Players watch coaches' interviews, right? They want to know what's going on. They want to hear the coach talk. These players have bought in. We have to give Gettleman some credit here, too, because building a football team is obviously an organizational thing. Dave Gettleman brought in some people this year late, some of them late, Logan Ryan and Graham Gano, who are huge contributors that have really helped this football team. And I think the fire Dave Gettleman stuff will calm down a little bit. He really has, if you peel the onion back, done a good job bringing in some veteran players that have really helped this football team. Now, you mentioned him, and I knew you would, and rightly so. I have never, ever, ever covered a game, watched a player, do something good on the field, and then about 15 minutes after the game, get a notification from the team that the player has signed a three-year extension, okay? Right. I mean, that is, by the way, Graham, thank you for your service. Thank you for hitting your 20th consecutive field goal and helping us beat the Eagles. And we're giving you a $14 million contract extension. I mean, talk about there, guys have good nights and guys have good nights. That's a pretty yeah. good night for Graham Gano, isn't how about, it? How about $9 million of it guaranteed? So, I mean. For a 33-year-old kicker. Yeah, who's had some injuries. But I'll tell you what. I mean, he has really been a bright spot. And I heard from an inside source on the team that someone told him. Graham Gano. He is the best pickup they made this year. The best pickup they made. He's not human. Just think of it. They they had Aldrich Roses, who was a, a, a you know a, a young kicker who was great two years ago and not great last year. Got into all kinds of legal problems in California from a DUI arrest. So he's gone. They pick up what? Costanzo, right? Quick, just quickly, just to kind of bridge the gap, waiting for Gano to get healthy. They had their eye on him. They signed him. Look, I, I thought he'd be a capable kicker if he was healthy, but uh, you say he's the best signing. Well, how many guys are 
pretty much damn near perfect. I mean, that's what he is, right? He's damn he near is. perfect. Yeah. And I mean, from long range, I mean, he's kicking at a really, really high level. So kudos to Graham and congratulations to him for that deal. He's got deep pockets and short arms. The Scotsman. <laughs> well, as his favorite uh, Scottish former giant, I hope he will, uh, you know, take you out to a nice, uh, yeah. what, what's the, the classic Scottish dinner? What the is that? Haggis? A little haggis? haggis? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. someone in New York makes haggis. We could what find the hell is haggis? It's not very good. It's yeah. just a bunch of like stuff shoved into like a sausage wrap, like intestines and all kinds of nasty. Rubbish? <laughs> it's got some nice seasonings to it. So, so, so for 9 million guaranteed, you can buy a lot of haggis, huh? A lot of yeah, he, he better be taking me somewhere else. Yeah, you know. yeah. go to Del Frisco's, okay? Not haggis or us or whatever that place you're talking you guys about. could argue maybe he was even underpaid with how good he's been i know that's still a lot of money but i mean that's you know he's been crushing it i think he got top five money right top 10 top five i don't know the apy on it which is average per year but that's really what it's based off of he's he's right up there i mean you know we all look at the field his kickoffs have been great too i mean a lot of people say well why is he that's a schematic thing is yep. why they're kicking the ball short. I mean, he can pound it out of the end zone, but do we want to give him the ball at the 19 or the 25? I mean, it's six yards, but over five kickoffs, that's 30 yards of field position. That's how coaches look at things. And then you've got Judge in there and T-Mac and Coach Quinn. So they're doing a nice job. Special teams yesterday, well, listen, we can't do a show today without talking about Riley Dixon. Four punts, 53 net, 53 gross. When your net matches your gross, that's a hell of a day. How about he leads the league, I think, with 12 inside the 10. I mean, this guy was an absolute, to me, he was our MVP of the game yesterday with the 71-yarder, but no return yards. Jabril Peppers had some nice returns. Your goal every time on a punt return is a first down. He did that and more. Would have liked to see him not get up so animated after the young guy in front of him. You know, I, I get that, but that's Jabril Peppers. He's a competitor, right? He had a hell of a, Special teams has been really, really good this year. You know, he was asked about that, Lawrence, because, right, it looked like he was kind of yeah. showing up his teammate, like, darn it, just blocked yeah. for me and I get a touchdown. But you know what? I, I think that that's fine that's with him. Jabril Peppers. Yeah, yeah, that's him. And you know what? They need more of that. I mean, Jabril Peppers gives it in in, in abundance, and, and that's fine. Two things, Daniel Jones, aggressive and cautious. It is very hard for a quarterback to toe that line, right? Cautious, second game in a row, no turnovers, perfect, right? Perfect. And he ran the ball. Uh, you know, he he scored on a 34-yard run. I asked him after the game, how did it feel to reach the end zone on a long run against the Eagles? And I accentuated <laughs> the Eagles. And yeah. he let he smiled and he laughed and he said, Yeah, it it um it felt good to get in the end zone. We I just tried to stay out of my feet that time and get in the end zone. He kind of accented that time. Look, that's what happens when you win, right? You can crack jokes yeah. about how three weeks ago you fell down. But what did you like about his aggressiveness? Because they go down, I think it was what, 14-11, and they say, okay, we're going to get in a little bit of a shell here. 27 yards to Sterling Shepard, 38 yards to Golden Tate. They score a touchdown there. The game is now back in groove because he was aggressive. He was, and it was nice to see. It looked like to me watching from home that a lot of stuff was more on time. Remember we talked about him being a little bit – you know, he's questioning some of his decisions. But, man, everything came out on time yesterday. I'm happy to see Daniel Jones. We've beat him up. The media's beat him up. He has been through a rough patch. It's good to see guys smile and kind of be able to laugh at themselves. Man, what an unbelievable start, right? He has that horrific fall-down moment in Philly. And then right out of the gate, Eagles – 40, 34 yards, he scores, he runs, and we're all just like, it's meant to be. 
when he did that, I was like, we're going to win the game. It just, and then he had the counter later. We can talk about that, the holding call on Thomas, but he's a weapon, man. And I think they're really using his skill set. And we talked about this early in the, in the season, the RPO game is a big deal for this offense and they have to continue using it. I didn't like him taking some shots down there towards the goal line though. My God, you need to protect him. Lawrence, that's, you know, I I don't think you can say, I love the RPO game, but I don't like him taking shots. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's, the yin yang of this you know on his touchdown run i mean he literally had the ball in wayne goldman's midsection he had it there and it could have almost been a turnover he yanked it out of there and the whole flow of the defense went to goldman he runs around the left side and scores you know he's really fast he's really athletic like you said but look that's what they're going to have to balance as this goes on here with his career because he's 23 years old and he gained 10 pounds and he's 230 pounds and he's he's a strong robust athlete but you're right i mean he gets twisted around he gets spun around Mm -hmm. he he takes those hits and yeah he's almost too tall right because I I think of him more in the Russell Wilson sense that he can do it, but Russell Wilson is a shorter guy and he's able to kind of get down quicker. Daniel doesn't fall as gracefully or get down as easy as Russell Wilson does. So he needs to be really careful, man, because he's, he's taking some shots that are probably not necessary. Yeah. Russell Wilson is very compact and, and look, he was a baseball player. He knows how to slide. He knows how to get down. I don't know if Daniel Jones was a baseball player, but I don't know how many bases he stole. Uh, You know, we, we, we talked about, we talked about judge and the improvement. We talked about Daniel Jones, the defense, Three weeks ago, they were okay on third down. Okay, they weren't great. Four for 13 on third down, not bad. This game, they were 0 for 9, the (laughs) Eagles, on third down, which is, like, ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And that has to go to Patrick Graham because Jabril Pepper said three weeks ago, he said in the first game, we were kind of vanilla when the Eagles went tempo. You know, we went cover three, cover two, and we were vanilla. He said this game, we had a lot more multiples. Carson Wentz noticed that he noticed that that would gave him tremendous problems and so what he was thinking of from three weeks ago and the Giants defense was not the Giants defense he saw this game Wentz said they defense you got to credit them they distinct disguised a lot of looks and brought all sorts of different pressures so in three weeks the Giants reinvented to a certain extent their third down defense that is good coaching it's great coaching and I have to think when you're playing this Giants defense they're frustrating. They really are because they they bend, but they don't break. They keep everything kind of in front of them. You don't see a lot of big plays over the top. Now, the tight end, again, kind of got to us a little bit. Uh, I think it was Rodgers for the Eagles, but yep. nothing that hurt us too bad. And he does a really good job of the personnel that we have using it and, and keeping everything in front of you. That frustrates a team. Like I mean, Carson Wentz wants to go down the field. But, of course, the up front, they played well. They got some decent pressure. Not a lot, but they played well up front. I know – I thought Yidham played well. I, I know we're looking for cornerback, too. I thought he played well, man. He had a tough game in Washington. I thought he came back. Bradbury showed up. He had been kind of not his self the last three or four weeks, but he had a well of a game yesterday. And, you know, Patrick Graham – we need to be careful how much we brag about him because he may not he may not be around. I mean, this guy is uh 
kind of like the silent assassin. You don't know much about him. He came in with not much fanfare. He's a really good football coach. You know, it's interesting because Graham, several years ago when he was the Giants defensive line coach, you know, he was quiet. He was reserved. He answered the questions. He didn't show a lot of personality. You know, he's a guy from Yale. He went to Yale, and, you know, for oh, goodness wow. sakes. Yeah, you know, and, and he's a bright guy. He didn't show much of himself. And and then, you know, he becomes a, a coordinator with, with the Dolphins. And I remember thinking, you know, I didn't really see Patrick Graham as a coordinator type because he just didn't show us much personality wise, you know, a leader of men. And he comes here to the Giants. I have familiarity with him and he's completely different. He, he's, he's showing his personality. You know, the last game against the Eagles, Lawrence, after that game, everyone left the field. Patrick Graham was sitting on the bench, head in hands. He was so distraught after that game. He couldn't leave the bench at Lincoln Financial Field. And he said afterwards, I felt I let the team down. We couldn't stop them. And that's on me. Okay. How about that? And now three weeks later, we're talking about him as being one of the main reasons why they won. So you're right about that. I'm not sure if it will be coming in 2021, but yes, yes he, he's a guy you have to watch for because he's, he, he's, what you said was interesting. They're hard to play against and they're frustrating the Giants defense, but there's not one player maybe with the exception of James Bradbury, who an offensive coordinator goes to sleep at night worrying about. You don't worry about the individual player, but you worry about the defense. That's a credit to the coordinator. And that's the most important piece, right? I mean, every team has superstars. We can go back to 2007 season when the Cowboys had 11 Pro Bowlers and we beat them. It's all about team. And I think Joe Judge has done a great job. Patrick Graham has done a great job. And it's just the buy-in. I mean, we see it, we feel it. And he's a wonderful coach. I did see something last week where he said Einstein is one of his idols. Yeah, yeah, um, Einstein. I thought yep. that was cool. Yep. I did not know he went to Yale, though. Obviously, he's a super intelligent guy, and you can tell by his schemes. I mean, he he expects their his his players to know multiple schemes. And they made a change last week, right, on a Saturday walkthrough. Yep. Resulted in a pick. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Graham is really, really good. Super intelligent guy, Um uh, you know, I, I know I probably have not been described as that. You, <laughs> kicker, I'm not sure. So I, I'm not sure if we can figure this out, okay? Now, the NFC East, you have three five-and-one Eagles, right? You yep. have three-and-seven Giants. Now, if either of us was a super intelligent guy, we could figure out how much behind the Giants the Eagles are because of that tie. But I think it's a half game. But either way, are the Giants – in a division race here? Absolutely. 100,000%. They are in it. And I don't know if you said it. Someone said it uh, early in the season. I think it was a broadcaster. He said, I expect the Giants to be playing the best football in this division by mid to late season. And here we are. And he was right. And I have to go back. I don't know who it was that said it, but it kind of resonated with me. And we're starting to see that right now. They're clearly the best, best team playing the best best football in the division. So why not? I mean, who knows? I don't know what the final record will be, but in the division, I think they have a shot to win this thing. Well, guys, if you look at the schedule, Thanksgiving weekend, when you are having your leftover turkey on Sunday, the Giants could be in first place. The Eagles will play the Browns and Seahawks. That could be two losses. Washington has the Bengals and then the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And the Giants have a bye and then the Bengals. So Sunday, November 29th, it may sound crazy, the New York football Giants could be in first place. Well, what they have to prove is they, they just had five games against in their division and went three and two. That got them back into it here they're yeah. 0 five out of the division so they have to start showing now look maybe it's just a matter of they're eating each other right and they all are no good and the giants mm -hmm. happen to be the better of that predator group uh now we, they have to get out of the division until the cowboys in week 17 so let's see what they're made of they don't have to win they probably 
might have to only win six games to win a division, maybe seven. And I don't want to hear anybody say, well, if they go seven and nine or six and 10 and win a division, it doesn't mean anything. This team with this quarterback and this first year coach getting in the playoffs and preparing for a playoff game will be huge. I don't care what their record will be. Yeah. John Merrill will be excited, right? He said, I want to be playing meaningful football in November and December. So it, it's meaningful right now. And we're going into late November. So not mission accomplished yet, but getting closer. What are you guys going to do in the bye week? What, what's the plans? No podcast. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'll probably watch some Matt Pert game film. <laughs> Paul? Uh, you mean you mean after um, the Blue Rush holiday party, which I believe Sarah is hosting this year. Is We're going to have a Zoom. Is that No, I, I believe Sarah is hosting the party this year. And then I said I would host it next year, right? But Sarah wants to kick it off this year. So that's what I'll be doing, I think, the Friday after Thanksgiving. After that, I'll probably just have a nice, quiet weekend. Sarah might be partaking in Friendsgiving. A lot of white girls, the main thing is like Friendsgiving is like a big thing around <laughs> America. It's it's this thing. It's become huge. Um, so enjoy the bye week, guys. You know, have a drink. Uh, enjoy the Sunday. Yeah. Watch, watch, watch Kyler Murray throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins uh, in one of the greatest plays of all time. Uh, enjoy that. But coming up next, the Giants offensive line is playing great. And a guy, another guy who knows something about playing well on an offensive line is Chris Snee. And he drops by Blue Rush next. Bloody pods. Joining us next is a lifetime New York Giant. He spent 10 seasons in the NFL, all with Big Blue as an offensive guard from 2004 through 2013. He's, of course, a two-time Super Bowl champion alongside Lawrence Tynes. He was a dominant guard, a four-time Pro Bowler, a first-team All-Pro member, a two-time second-team All-Pro member, and he played under head coach Tom Coughlin, who also happened to be his father-in-law. What a coincidence. He coaches his little guy to a championship just recently, third and fourth grade. It's the big fella, number 76, Chris Snead. Chris, Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz, welcome to Blue Rush. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I was wondering how long it would take before you plug the father-in-law comment in, so I appreciate you getting it out of the way in the first 10 seconds. But let's, let's get this thing rolling. <laughs> I, had, I had to get it out of the way. It was only right. Um, you're, you're coaching little guys. Now, what is life like? You know, did your kid just win a championship over the weekend? We did, actually. It was a heck of a weekend for us. And win the championship on Saturday and then um, watch the Giants get a big one yesterday. So it was a good weekend for the Snee family. Hey, Chris, it's Paul. Good to hear from you again. Um, you talk about championships. Obviously, uh, the Snee family knows their way around championships. The Giants are trying to build something now uh, similar to what you guys had back in the day. Uh, you, you're a perfect guy to talk about this building process with the offensive line. Uh, you were a scout with Jacksonville, so you scouted all these offensive linemen. Uh, the Giants have a bundle of young ones, Anthony Thomas, Matt Pert, Shane Lemieux. Uh, what do you see in those guys, and is there hope that this line can in someday lead the Giants to a championship? Yeah, without doubt there's hope. I think they brought in three talented guys. Um, you know, Andrew Thomas, of course, was you know, one of the top, top tackles in the draft, so to get him uh, was a big get for them. Lemieux was a guy that I liked. I gave him a fairly good grade, and saw him as a, t a tough guy who loves to play football, which I think is kind of the culture they're trying to bring in there, and I think you see on the field. I mean, you have to love the energy this team is playing with. The defense has been solid all year, and from what you've seen offensively the past couple of weeks, you know, being able to run the ball effectively, I, I think, you know, you know, Colombo was getting some heat early on in the year, but, you know, the offensive line coach, but, you know, I think you see the mentality he has them playing with, and that was kind of one that reminds me of the group that we had. And, and I know there's a long way to go, and it 
takes time. I keep telling people it just takes time for teams and offensive lines to, to work as a unit. And, you know, they're not, it's not a finished product. You have to love the, the direction they're trending in. Yeah, you're talking about the offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, getting some heat. Obviously, the number four pick in the draft is going to get heat if he doesn't produce right away. So uh, was this struggles with Andrew Thomas expected? And when you go back to your rookie year in 2004, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the top of your game in the peak of your career and, and, you know, one being the low points of your career, where was your rookie year? Because this does take time, doesn't it? Oh, I had, I had a lot of struggles with my rookie year. I think it just, you know, to me, just watching Thomas, it, it just boils down to angles. And by, by that, I mean, like he, he was obviously a very good college player, you know, different level of speed he's facing. So therefore when it comes to pass sets and run blocks, uh, you just have to learn to work at different angles. And I think, you know, early on you saw him just setting too far, you know, getting out too quickly and, you know, given these uh, athletic rushers a two-way go. So I think that just it takes time. It really does. Um, you know, the struggles will continue throughout the year, but it's a learning process. So, but I think you, you've seen him make some adjustments, and I know Mark's been working with him, you know, at length. So I, I think, uh, you know, the talent is there. There's a reason why he was high in everyone's board, and uh, he'll, he'll be a good player for time. Chris, LT, hey, thanks for coming on. You had a really kind of internally famous pregame ritual. And it was funny because I always used to have to see Chris do this. It became, so his ritual became part of my ritual because I was like, I have to go see Chris do this. What is it that you did before games, right on the sideline, right after the anthem? Oh, you know, it's funny. Is Richie and I did a Zoom yesterday, um, and Richie Soybert did the same thing, except he did it in the locker room, and mine just happened to be on the field. So it started in high school. I, after every every coin toss, I would have to sprint to the sideline, and I would get sick. So I would throw up on the sideline. And I did feel like it became sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, a ritual for several people, you know, from Pat Hamlin getting the bucket to, <laughs> you know, putting a, a towel around my head, and so nobody could really see it. Um, I don't know what it was, and it wasn't it wasn't nerves. You know, I was never I was always kind of an even keel keel guy. You know that, Lawrence. But I'm not. I, I was just. So, I think it was a combination of a little nerves, but more excitement to play the game. And then it just became something where, you know, if I didn't do it, I would say, you know, what's wrong? Why am I not ready for this game? So, you know, the worst part was when I had to go out for the coin toss to be a captain, and then you would see me sprint off the field immediately because I didn't want to, uh, you know, pull a McNabb and 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 throw chunks on the field. That's so gross. It was it was actually pretty awesome. Hey, uh, on talking about these young linemen, I'm a super fan of Matt Pert. Like that's my guy. Like I watched the film, and I think of the three, I think he has the most upside. I could be wrong. I would love to hear your take on what do you think of Matt Pert? Why do you think he went in the third round when he does play? He he performs. I think what you why he went in the third round was I mean you look at the guy, he's got everything you're looking for. You know he's, he's and he looks the part. Um, and he was a guy that I visited three consecutive years at UConn. You know, and fully honest with you, like I'm not going to lie about my reports. I just I didn't see a guy that re- improved steadily the way he should have from sophomore to senior year. Um, you know, a guy that moved from left tackle to right tackle. You know, but you would see clips and say, why doesn't he do this more on a consistent basis? So um, maybe that just comes with maturity as it goes, and hopefully the Giants have found a guy that uh, you know realizes that he's got to put product on the you know every, every play. He's got to play that way every play. So I haven't been able to key in him, key on him as much, just because the weekends are hectic for me, and I don't get the uh, the film access I once did. But uh, he has all the measurables, and he's got you know what you're looking for, for from a tackle. He just has to be you know play physical every play. Um, and I you know a guy that just needs to improve his uh, his weight room strength as well. So you know, maybe they have the you know that trending in the right direction too. Hey, Chris, what was your playing weight uh, most of your career? 
mean, it, it consistently like 315, 320. I think uh, earlier on I was heavier, so 325 my second, third year. And then as the joints started to get a little little cranky, I tried to, to drop a couple. You know, the second Super Bowl, I was down to about 300, uh, which was too light for me. I was getting put on skates. So I think I had to beef back up a little bit. But, you know, 315 on average. I mean, we, we've talked in the past. It was, I mean, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but I mean, you lost so much weight. What are you down to now? few years after, you know, several years after retiring? I'm like 225 right now. I'm back to like my sophomore year in high school. What, what kind of diet is that? I'm trying to get on that diet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like, I just, I work out a lot. I enjoy myself once. I'm not, gonna, I'm not counting calories and, uh, you know, I'll house a burger on the weekend or I'll, you know, yeah, I'm not strict with it. You know, I do eat healthy throughout the course of the week and then I kind of let it slip on the weekend, to be honest with you. You, so, you made that uh, sound so casually. You drop 80 pounds and you're like, I work out a bit. Like, that's like body by Jake on VHS. What is this? But you know how much I ate? Like, it, it was insane how much we, food we put in our body. So if you just you know, take that away, you know, and that was part of like the routine too, right? So before Saturday before a game, I had to eat a whole pizza. I brought a sandwich to my room and a milkshake. I mean, is that necessary? <laughs> so like, you, you, you take that away from your late night snack, you're, you're dropping weight. You know, it, it just takes a little discipline chris it wasn't it wasn't nerves or anything or ritual that you threw up before the game it was the pizza and the, the milkshake and the burgers and everything from the night before it was so gross man i look back at it and then listen it was fun right because you could put whatever in, in your body you wanted and you weren't i was never a guy that had to worry about the scale so i kind of knew weight would come off afterwards because i had to eat all that day 315 you know just eat whatever i wanted there are lactose intolerant listeners right now who actually just threw up listening to this show so there you go <laughs> no there you go. Perfect. Perfect. I, I, Chris, I remember you telling me that you felt pressure to have like two desserts after a meal. I wanted to, I, I was, I had to play it a certain way. You know, I, I just, whatever I felt comfortable about that year, I had to be at that weight. And I was very, like, you know, superstitious and routine oriented. So, uh, you know, from the scale staying the same to me benching the same on a Monday when my body felt like crap, it had to be the same every week. That sounds like my daily podcast pregame meal. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at 235, so I don't need a pack on anymore. Uh, Chris Snee is joining us here on Blue Rush. Chris, how long did it take you guys, that, that offensive line you guys had, uh, the two Super Bowl teams had such great cohesion. And how long did that take to develop? First off, I'm sure it was slow. And right now the Giants are trying to patch together rookies. And Matt Parrott, who's number one fan, is hosting this show. And, uh, you know, a lot of young guys. But how long did that cohesion develop? It took a while. I think, you know, the missing piece was getting Richie Soiber back in, into the equation. He, you know, he battled back from that injury that he had. And, uh, you know, me being a rookie and, you know, David being a second-year player in 2004 and Sean coming as a free agent, you know, we didn't get McKenzie till 05. So I'd say by the end of the 06 season, and then, you know, we hit the ground running in 07. I, I, you know, I know we started 0-2, but we were we were playing pretty well. And by that time, Kareem and I had a good rapport with each other. And we, you know, you know we, we weren't very verbal. You know, the left side, was, you know, we're, we're talking nonstop, you know, as far as communication with the line. But Kareem and I at that point knew we're on the same page. We didn't have to make any calls, and that was – it's a good feeling. It really is. I mean, when you're up there and you, you, you know, you see stuff unfolding and you know that the guy next to you is seeing the same thing. With young guys, it's going to take time. It really is. But um, I do like the way they've been playing. I mean, it's, it's been fun to watch as far as, you know, the combination block. This draft that looked really good, you know, which is such a huge part of the game of football. Um, so if they get that going and, uh, you know, the adjustments will come as long as they're putting the time and watching film together, which honestly is what made our group so good. As we, you know, we'd eat breakfast lunch together in the meeting room you know it's where a lot of the guys like Lawrence were you know chatting it up in the in the cafeteria you know we're you know planning the next golf outing but uh you know, we were we were uh you know we were we were in the we were in the dungeon watching film you know making fun of each other Chris what is 
what are your what are your future plans? I mean, obviously you got into football with with the Jaguars. I mean, I always thought you're one of the brightest guys that was in the locker room. That's not saying a whole lot, but um, <laughs> we do you want to be a GM? Do you want to be an executive? I mean, is that kind of something you you aspire to be? So, you know, I toyed with doing stuff other than football, and then it just came down to I love the game so much. I feel like I didn't want to start over and learn something new. So I enjoyed every minute of going to meetings in Jacksonville and watching film. And, yeah, I could do without the travel. Like, you know, the coach seat to Washington to, you know, look at some linemen I can see at the Senior Bowl, the Combine. Like, that stuff I could do without. Um, but I thought of as a challenge, and I, you know, it's, it's, I'm young. I'm 38. You know, I have to do things to keep myself mentally stimulated. So I do love every part of it. But at the same time, you know, having taken a year off from Jacksonville and being home, especially during this crazy time that we're in, uh, I mean, my kids are getting old fast, and you know, you see it too, Lawrence and everyone else. So it's it's uh, one of those where I can't be selfish. I need to be home, and you know, we'll have a talk at the, you know, probably after the holidays, and ask for everyone's opinion. Though, if they would rather me be here than than doing, you know, getting a job again. So I mean, we'll have that discussion. It'll be interesting to see what they say. You know, maybe they'll, they'll be, maybe they'll say, "Dad, you're driving us nuts. Get out." You know, and if that's the case, <laughs> right. that's easy for me. But uh, I had so much fun coaching my my ten year old this year in football, and hopefully we have a basketball season and everything else. So. Um, if they need me here, I'm here because I, I love I love being here. Hey, hey Chris, uh, I I coach my son and daughter in various sports, and I think uh, I I didn't have the guts to have a family vote at the end of those seasons because I think they vote would have might voted me off the island. You know, I think. <laughs> 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 uh, th- th- no. Thanks, thanks, Dad. It is, thanks, it Dad. is funny, co- right? It is it is funny because I asked them before every season. I said, "You sure you want me to coach?" Because you know I ride them extremely hard. You know, and it's. Um, but they, they seem to enjoy it and, you know, those thick skins, that's kind of what I was, I was going for. Chris, every guest we have on, um, you know, so many of them have ties to these Super Bowl, recent Super Bowls. I think that's why it's so easy to get guests on, right? Because everyone loves talking about their past success. Uh, and you guys shared so much of it together. You know, everyone has a story about Eli and, um, you know, the the, the, the the famous helmet catch with Tyree and how nobody blocked and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, did, whoa, whoa, did, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I got a double plus on that <laughs> play, all right? So, Wait, Sean O'Hara kind of ripped you and said you did not block. I forgot the wording that he used. Play the Richie Soiber piece. Yeah, yeah. We, we've had a couple of yeah, offensive okay, linemen. Who kind you, of you guys said want you the truth story or no? Let him give us the truth. Here we give go. Us the, truth. Go the floor is yours, Chris. Okay. So, my responsibility on that play was to block Junior Seau. And I had done a great job of it all game. You know, not to, I don't like to pat myself on the back. But that play, he mugged like he was blitzing, and then he dropped to the flat. So, by the time he dropped, you know, my job is then to look to help somebody. The rest of those jokers got beat so quickly, I had no <laughs> chance to help them. So, what, what, what was I supposed to do? You know, I saw the Super Bowl folding. You know, we were losing the game in, in front of my eyes. And, you know, because O'Hara and Richie can't pick up a simple twist, I got to be the one to come over and save the day. It was too late. You know, if they would at least got a punch on the guy, I could have been over there to help them. So, you know, they can blame me all they want, but I mean, guys, they got to look in the mirror. They got to pick up a twist. <laughs> you know, day one, day one of training camp, pick up the twist. There is a picture, you know, you've seen, you know, so many pictures. I don't know if you have any in your house of that play, whatever, but there is a no. picture of you literally standing there in space, right? And you've seen that picture, right? It's not in my house. I try to, um, I have that. I'm actually, you know, it's funny. I'm in my office. I'm looking at a picture of David's catch, um, but I don't have the one where I'm standing there looking at Eli, panicking if he's going to throw me the ball or not. Because he did think about it. Now, Eli was famous and uh, Richie Seubert was famous for these practical jokes going back and forth. And Eli loved, you know, targeting offensive linemen. Did you ever get Eli and did Eli ever get you? 
you know, I don't know if it was because we came in the same year together or, or Eli was afraid that I had a switch and I would go, you know, go crazy. I, I, we kind of stayed away from each other as far as that. You know, like I would always – and I was always the guy that would assist people, right? So, you know, I assisted Richie on a lot of the pranks on especially O'Hara because we love to go after him. You know, I was always the helper, but I never wanted to get in trouble because, you know, I don't want to deal with Tom. So it was one of those where I just was kind of behind, the behind-the-scenes guy. You know, maybe that's hand-in-hand hand with me wanting to be a scout and, and a GM. You know, I want to be the guy behind the scenes. So, yeah, I don't remember Eli really ever doing anything to me. You know, he'd be like, you know, he would give me a wet willy or, you know, wipe. Eli's always got his finger up his nose, right? So flicking a booger on me or something stupid like uh, that. But he he never geez. really uh, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> he never really did anything serious to me. Richie, Richie had this blue dye. He had this, like, powder. And oh, it yeah, was, that was he was – famous for getting all rookies and and what he did is he would put this blue powder in your shoes which was the worst actually i think the gloves or helmet was probably the worst and it was just a powder substance so when you put your you know extremities into the shoes or gloves you wouldn't feel it you get done with practice and you literally had blue hands for two weeks you couldn't wash it off like yeah, literally, he got, me, like he, he got me my rookie year. Yeah, <laughs> Richie, and no one knew where Richie would get it. Uh, well, yeah, that's 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 a secret. But I mean, if he, he really didn't like you. He put it in your jock. So imagine that surprise when you're taking a shower. <laughs> hey, so, that gives new meaning to blue balls. Sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, come awesome on. This enough. is this is a family podcast. Come on now. Oh my bad. Uh, my bad. My bad. We can. Uh, no, that. that's okay. Um, uh, Chris, where were you? Obviously, you're on the field. Um. When our co-host Lawrence Tynes, in the coldest day anyone can remember, you know, misses two field goals and then send you guys to the Super Bowl, what do you remember thinking when he's lining up for that 47-yarder? Yarder? Are you thinking he's going to make it? Are you thinking he better not miss it? Are you thinking, get me the hell out of here because I'm damn cold? All three, probably. Uh, <laughs> all three, and then I'm, I'm going to add a fourth one. I'm saying, Lawrence, please save my ass because I had a holding call on Bradshaw's draw where – that would have won the game without having Lawrence having to kick. So uh, that's a play that gets forgetting, forgotten a lot, you know, except for, uh, you know, we're on the plane, you know, celebrating the win and Harry Carson walked up to me and I thought he was going to congratulate me. And he said, man, you almost cost us that, that trip to the Super Bowl without holding the ball. I was, like, I was like, thanks, Harry. Appreciate that. That's, you know, let me... that's typical Harry though. That's awesome. <laughs> but no, I was thinking that too. I was like, uh, please make it so nobody worries about my holding call. You were a uh, back of the bus guy, weren't you, Snee? Lawrence has these back of the bus stories, and uh, amazing. He he said you were a back of the bus guy, which is not really surprising to me, but you were right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what what went down on the back of the bus? Couple quiet. We call it a couple quiet ones. A couple beers after games, and you know. Yeah, we had a just you know got to relax, unwind, and just uh, you know, good or bad, right? It, you know, the the good times are better. You know, you were able to speak, but uh, <laughs> you know. I always look forward to that. You know, you put in a hard day's work and you go back there with your buddies and talk about the game. It was uh, one of the best parts of the day. I got to ask one question about Tom. You mentioned it. We we did in the intro. You win the Super Bowl. Do you say, do you call him pops ever? Was it always coach? What was that dynamic between you two guys like? He's still coach. Uh, You know, I I call my high school coach, coach when I call him, you know, once a month. It's just that respect and he's he's my coach, you know, so uh, I've never called him Tom. I've never called him. You know, dad, as much as Richie would always like to have me call him dad. I never did that either. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm uh, not, I haven't even done TC. He's a, he's a coach. He's, he's a coach. He's uh, got my respect forever. He's, he's coached Coffin. 
Chris Snee, two-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, we loved catching up with you, re- uh, you know, going down memory lane. We appreciate you coming on Blue Rush. Yeah, anytime, guys. Hey, I'm glad I was your uh, 50th caller, so maybe next time I can get higher on the priority list. <laughs> we'll get you up there. Hey, you made it at the best time. We got the best 3-7 <laughs> and seven team in football right now. There you go. That's right. That's right. Yeah, hanging in. All right, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Uh, hey, ha- happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. Dog. And that says cheerio to episode 52, the Pepper Johnson edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Subscribe to Blue Rush wherever the hell you get your pods. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Paulie Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We return next Tuesday after the bye week to preview the Giants matchup with the Bengals. Enjoy the week off, folks, and stay safe.